Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to season 12 of the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, it is seriously so good to be here, and I cannot wait for what this season has in store for all of us. And you know, at the beginning of every season, I I really spend a lot of time just thinking through where the podcast has been and and where it's taking us as I try to plan out the bits and pieces of, of content that we go through. And it's just amazing to think about the ground that we've covered. As I record this, I am fresh back from the 2024 HPB Expo in Nashville. And man, it was just an incredible show. I feel like there's something very special going on in our industry right now where we are coming together and and trying to be a part of something that's bigger than any one of us. And, you know, obviously that, that may not be everybody, but I think that there's a growing number of people that is... Uh, is trying to come together and and help our industry, and it's fun to be a part of that. Well, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, we run two seasons per year. The first season of the year starts the Tuesday after Labor Day, and the second season of the year starts the Tuesday after the HPB Expo. We always have a focus going into each season. Well, for season 12 at the beginning, what I want to do first is give you guys a taste of the HPB Expo. And today's interview that I'm going to play you is one that I recorded live from the trade show floor of the HPB Expo. And I think it was a really cool conversation that I'll explain more about in a second. Now, for next week's episode, this is not for sure, but I am working on getting the recording of the keynote address at the Expo and I will hopefully share that with you next week. Now, the keynote address was something that was really cool to be a part of. I gave an introduction, and then we had a series of three speakers from different manufacturers talk, and then I I wrapped it up with a conclusion as well. And for those of you who weren't able to make it to the trade show, or maybe you came but you missed out on the keynote, I wanted to be able to make that available to you. So these first couple weeks of season 12 is going to be just a recap of the 2024 Expo. Now, after that, we're going to move into a series of standalone episodes with some important people that I, I, I think are thinking about things from a really neat perspective in our industry. And I'm excited to introduce you to some of those folks and listen to the conversations that we've been having. Now, as we get to the tail end of season 12, I actually want to zero in on an aspect of our industry that we've talked about a little bit in the past, but not, not to this level of detail. And that is family relationships in our industry and actually in particular marriages. So this is this is a bigger theme that I want to explore in future seasons, but I want to spend some time with the family dynamic of our industry and talk to folks who are in it together with their siblings or with their spouses or with their parents and just discuss how it is that they're able to work together and maintain, you know, a, a good relationship while they're in the trenches of their work every single day. And this season, we're going to actually dedicate the whole back half of the season to marriages and I'm going to be interviewing spouses that work together in the day-to-day parts of their business and I'm really excited about this. There's actually going to be some really, really cool surprise guests that we have for you as, as we as we go throughout this. But my hope is that this season really gives you something to chew on. And if you work with a significant other or if you work for someone who has a significant other in the business, my hope is that this helps give you some tools to navigate those relationships and is ultimately an encouragement for you as well. So with that said, I want to jump into today's conversation. In this episode, I'm interviewing my friend Brian Barnhill. Now, Brian was on the show a while back to talk about some things he's doing in his business, in particular, the four-day work week. But in today's conversation, I had a chance to spend some time with him at the trade show, and I wanted to talk about the idea of building a business bigger than yourself, because Brian, more than anyone else I know embodies this. And he owns a number of businesses and has done just an incredible job empowering people to be able to run them. And a lot may go through your mind when you hear that. And I think that there are a lot of misnomers and there's frankly a lot of bad information out there about 
what it means and what it takes for someone else to run your business. And me and Brian have a pretty honest conversation about why he believes this is the right way to grow a business. And I totally agree with him, but also about what it actually takes to empower people and to be someone who is able to let go and hand the keys off, but be there as a helper, an advisor, and a coach to step in as needed. So I think you're going to get a ton of value out of this conversation. It was super fun. We were right on the trade show floor as we were recording this, and you'll probably hear a little bit of background noise, but the energy was great in Nashville, and I think this conversation is going to be a blessing to you. So I'll circle back at the end and share some thoughts as well. Joining me live from the 2024 HPB Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, is my good friend, Brian Barnhill. Brian, hey. it is awesome to be face-to-face with you versus doing this just over the phone or on Zoom. Oh, that's great. Thanks for having me, Tim. Yeah, man. You know, um, there's a lot of things I want to talk about. You've obviously been on the podcast before. You've written for the magazine and for the journal. And today in particular, I want to talk about building a business that is bigger than just you. I feel like as I travel the country and work with companies, um, many business owners want to do what you've done in being able to, to hand things off to key people that are able to execute on that. But doing that can be really hard because there's fear and trust and competency and all of those things that go into it. And so I want to talk to you holistically about that because I feel like more than anyone else I know, I feel like you have, uh, it's not just that you've done this, I feel like you have embodied this. like like handing off responsibility has it's like it's who you are and I just I'd love to start there just hear a little bit about your philosophy on on building a business that way absolutely um you know there's there's a lot to unpack there I I think from from what is my philosophy it's almost like what's my goal Mm -hmm. right um and and there's a lot that feeds into that you know I I want to be a part of a business that uh, runs well every day, whether I'm not there yeah. or whether I am there yeah. so that I can create a space where people have maximum well-being, uh, where I can uh, create a life for my family that I, I, I can uh, enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I wasn't able to do that by myself. And so I had to, to, to look outside of myself and say, how, how do I get this done? Yeah. Can, can you give a little bit of a background as to what businesses you have? Yeah. So I uh, have a, uh, a chimney service and fireplace retail business in Lexington. Uh, and, uh, and that was the original business. Yeah. Uh, and a manufacturing supply business where we manufacture custom products, mostly custom chimney caps, and ship those around the country. Um, and then a real estate uh, business that's grown alongside both of those. Yeah. So, so you have your hands on a lot of things, um, but yet you don't run the day to day at them. It doesn't mean you're not involved. It doesn't mean that it's not painful. It, like it's not. We're not going to paint a picture that that when someone else runs your business, you know, it's just you know unicorns and, and rainbows. Mm-hmm. But you really have handed off responsibility. I'm just curious, like what what did it take to do that? Uh, I, I I guess failing, honestly, uh, it it took failing more than once uh, at it. You know, because I, I didn't know how to scale, um, and I thought that running a business was inventing a scaffold for what that meant. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it meant uh, uh, figuring out every little piece along the way, so it, which meant that I'm, I'm simultaneously trying to be the best at whatever I was doing, plus figure out how to build a business scaffold. Yeah, and so uh, learning. Uh, to to adopt a, a business scaffold and then put my company on top of that yeah uh, was was one big step among many yeah um, a lot of people can't do that though so like a lot I feel like a lot of people I, I think about companies I've worked for in the past where the people that ran them were they were great people mm. and they knew how to work really hard right. and they were really smart but the company could only get as big as their hands could stretch. Mm. And, and fortunately for me, there were times where I was actually included in that circle. But then mm. the problem was it couldn't get any bigger than the two of our hands could stretch. And that, mm. and that was it. Because there was a point where more it wasn't trusted that more mm. could be handed off. And to me, it, it, I mean, the impression I get is that it, it's almost like you're in one of those trust fall exercises where you're telling your team... I'm gonna I'm gonna lean over and, and you gotta catch me like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steady myself you gotta carry this thing. 
No, that, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and I ended up in that place because I failed. Hmm. Uh, I failed and, and I was fortunate enough to have great people there that I could lean on to pick me up and say, hey, why don't you do it different? Yeah. Um, and uh, and that, that helped me learn by proxy how to do the same thing with uh, people that I trusted yeah. and we're going to trust the lead. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so as I, you know, read business books and, and see videos and stuff like that, listen to podcasts, I feel like uh, there's a really incorrect uh, promise that's made to business owners that like, if you only learn this system, if you mm-hmm. only pay for this mastermind group, if you only buy this course, mm-hmm. then you too can have a business yeah. that runs itself makes you more money than you've ever believed right. and gives you freedom, whatever that is. Yep. And I, I, I listen to that and I think that's, I don't think that's true. I mean, maybe for somebody. I don't think that that's true though for most people. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think that um, one of the things that, that you hear a lot is uh, folks selling themselves because that's really at the end of the day, they're saying, you know, I, I'd like your money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I, I think that there are systems out there yeah. uh, that uh, can help to to free up your time and energy. Yeah. But that you have to have that along with some of these other things. Yeah. You know, um, what's your market? You know, how many how much resources do you have to bear? Yeah. You know, because I think that you see a lot of folks that are adopting these frameworks to say, why isn't it working for me? Yeah. And it's not because they're not good enough at it. It's because there's been one of these missing components. Yeah. You know, right people, luck, timing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it does come down to the right people for sure. You can't just hand things off without the right people. But I mean, I I, want to go back to this idea of like building the perfect business that runs itself. And and I'm not against building a great business that that doesn't rely on you for every Mm -hmm. little thing. I'm I'm for that. And that's what, you know, I want to build and I want to help people build. But to me, it seems like you've made a like a philosophical decision that regardless of the outcome, you're choosing to go all in on your people and, and have them really step up with responsibility. And if it, and if it fails, it's going to fail. But you, it seems like you think that's the right way to build a business. I'm just, I'd love to hear you talk a little more about that. Absolutely. I, that is correct. That's what we're doing. Um, but alongside, uh, maybe a foolhardy belief that we're going to win at it. Uh, and the folks that are working with me believe that too. Mm-hmm. We, we believe we're going to find the answers. Uh, collectively, we're going to win. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we share a vision of uh, what our lives together can look like now, every yeah. day. You know, like our four-day work week yeah. where we're more efficient and more profitable in four days than I used to be in six working my tail off. Yeah. You know, it's so uh, we, we have... Uh, been successful and that's given us uh, the belief that we can continue to be successful and been successful at hard things. Yeah. Uh, and we failed at hard things, uh, but we pick up and, and believe that we're going to be able to, to, to be successful again in the future. Yeah. That's really good. Um, how do you find your people? Like you, you've got key leaders in, in your companies that they run the company as if it's their own and they, they, they bleed for it. How do you find those people? Yeah, so uh, there's there's some funny stories <laughs> that are that are packed in there. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of luck that's been packed in there. Um, we we currently have hiring systems that we're being intentional about. Yeah, uh, but I've just been really lucky. Yeah, um, to know some great people who referred some great people. You know, um, like uh, Alan Newkirk. Uh, uh, and and he has been on your podcast yeah. in the past. Yeah. He referred Matt Reed to me. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I've been lucky to have some folks fall in my lap. Uh, also, that company, Ryan Ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he uh, worked at a company in town that went out of business, and we struck up a conversation. So I've had a lot of luck. Yeah. You know, one of the folks that works for me, uh, Stefan Johnsrud. Yeah. Uh, I was having a conversation with Ryan Ball about this very thing. <laughs> How are we going to find great people? Yeah. And we're driving to a little neighborhood near the store. Uh, and we're, we're having this exact... Do you know that feeling when you ball up a piece of paper and you throw it at the wastebasket and you know it's going to go in? Yeah. 
So bizarrely, that feeling struck me. We're having this conversation, Ryan and I, in his pickup truck. And about 100 feet in front of us, this guy in his 20s is broke down in his pickup in the street. And I had that feeling. And I looked at Ryan and I said, we're going to hire that guy. (laughs) And we got out. We helped him push his car back into the driveway. I struck up a conversation with him. And uh, he's our director of processes, IT, warehousing. He's phenomenal. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I've been lucky. Yeah. And, as, and, as well. and your lead sales guy was your neighbor growing no, up. Your that's neighbor's a, kid. That's I mean, exactly right. Quinn. And I think, I think a lot of us have those stories. Yeah. I'm fortunate that they're really brilliant people, you know? Yeah. Um, I think about that a lot. I mean, I, I feel like the people that are in my company, even though we're, we're, you know, a tiny company compared to, to most, it, it has, it's really been fortunate the way, the way that we've encountered great people. Mm-hmm. I think the part of it's mentality though, mm-hmm. like Jim Collins calls it who luck that like mm-hmm. the most impactful thing about most companies that are successful mm-hmm. is who they find and, and the timing mm-hmm. of it. Like you can never predict, but when you're a company that's always looking, you know, it's amazing how you, how you do find people. Mm. <coughs> no, I think that's right. Being open for opportunities. Yeah. How do you invest and grow people? Mm. Org chart for growth. Uh, Henry Ford said, when you find that you need a tool and don't buy it, you'll find you've paid for it and don't have it. Oh, man. When you find you need a tool and don't buy it, you'll find you've paid for it and don't have it. And I have uh, done that a lot. Needed something and just suffered the pain of not having it before I finally heard enough that I chose to do something about it. And I'm... Being able to look up and say, uh, when is the right time to invest in a resource of a person yeah. that's going to add value to my team? When's the right moment for that? Yeah. Um, and uh, there's math in learning to put the math to the madness, knowing yep. your numbers, yep. uh, to be able to say, you know, here's my strategic plan yep. for growth. Uh, and here's, here's our budget to try to accomplish yeah. that goal. Being mindful of opportunities along the way and saying, you know, uh, let's go ahead and invest in this person because it's going to free me up to do this other job. Yeah. You know, like maybe it's not the smartest thing for me to be the guy out mowing the lawn. Yep. Maybe I should be recruiting. Yeah. Or, or wherever my sweet spot is. Yeah. That's really good. You know, and, and I think the budgeting and planning is so important. I think that a a lot of companies feel the weight of doing everything themselves and they want to hire people, but they're not sure. Can they afford it? Can Mm -hmm. they not? Where are they going to grow to if they have a person? Um, you know, for me, right now, uh, we have a, a part-time programmer that we want to become a full-time programmer mm. for us, for the work that we have. And so a lot of it this year has just been trying to look at, like, just the math of, like, when we get to this point, all of a sudden, we can do it. So, like, now the sales team's got an objective. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if we want to move faster and better, we got to get to this point. Because at right. this point, we pull that trigger and it's there. Mm-hmm. But but when you don't think about that stuff ahead of time, it makes it really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually sets people up for failure too because sometimes you hire someone with the intention to pass things off to them, but you actually find you're paying them too much. You didn't budget enough mm-hmm. for how right. long it would take for your sales to catch up. And, and uh, yeah, I, I like that you talked about like the budgeting and planning process. Yeah. There's two things there that that reminds me of. Yeah. Uh, early on, uh, this is a fun story. Uh, and it's a little bit about that who luck. Okay, okay. So uh, we uh, live in Lexington, Kentucky. My wife and I, we had family pictures with my daughter. And the photographer said, oh, what do you all do? And I said, oh, I'm a chimney company. And uh, the lady said, uh, the photographer said, oh, my dad helps chimney companies. Which I did not expect her to say. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. And I said, tell me more. And her dad was Tom Grandy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, which a lot of people know his name, but he, he uh, built systems to help chimney, uh, or chimney service companies, but generally yeah. service companies. Uh, and he reached out to me and said, hey, my daughter uh, said that she w- uh, worked with you taking your pictures. Yeah. Uh, and I, he gave me a discount to come and take his class. Oh, wow. So I'm taking his class. I did my numbers. And I had a year to be in business if I didn't change things. Wow. At the end of that. And I thought, man, you know, and so... That, that really was impactful to me. That was that first lesson around, uh, I'm not paying attention to this thing. I just set my prices because, yeah. I, right? Um, but the other thing that came out of that type of lesson was, is that 
uh, folks are afraid to invest in people oftentimes. And so they shortchange their business because they are afraid to spend a little bit more to get a lot more yeah. for a person. And so they suffer because of that. And uh, one of the pieces of advice that I got that was so helpful to me about this, they said, when you buy a house, you're in it for 15 or 30 years as a mortgage. It's very legal, right? And you're, and you're roped into it. But when you're hiring somebody to join your team, they're taking a risk and you're taking a risk too, okay? But that risk is only as long as a pay period, yeah. right? Yeah. And so as long as you're open and honest with somebody and you get a win-win relationship where you go to them and you say, here's who I am, here's what we are, here's what the opportunity is for you, here's what I'm growing, here's where I see us in 10 years, yeah. here's where I think you fit in yeah. that, and here, here's where we can go together. It, but this is the opportunity that I have today. Yeah. This is the risk. Yep. You know, you sell yourself to them. Uh, it, and before that, it was always like, I can't afford X dollars yeah. a year for somebody. Yep. But when I when I broke it down into a little piece, where it was like, oh. Yeah, your risk is a month. The risk is a month. The risk is a conversation with somebody that's worth having. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I think about like in our company, you know, we have a software company. So the number of subscriptions that we have is like the barometer of, mm -hmm. of how healthy we are. And with one of our team members in particular, he took a huge risk to leave a very stable job to come mm -hmm. and work for us. And in him coming, we, we set the mark where it's like, if we ever drop below this number, like all bets are off and we don't know what we're not like, mm -hmm. we can't promise there's gonna be job security so together you know he worked in a part-time role for a while so we could get a, a large buffer between that number and now we're you know we're well past that but but that number is still known to all of us that like mm -hmm. we have this point that like when we drop below that right things have to change and I think that like you said letting people know the opportunity and the risk and just mm -hmm. just being real and saying this is the risk we want you and we will pay you to help us you know grow this thing and do this thing mm -hmm. but we also want to let you know that there's risk to this and we want to honor you stepping into this risk by giving you this opportunity no that's exactly right yeah and i think uh to big piggyback back on top of that a little bit is uh 20 more is 100 percent more we'll get back to our conversation with brian barnhill in just one second Hey, if you were at the 2024 HPB Expo, then you know we just launched our third edition of the Firetime Journal. Now, every year for the last three years, at the time of the HPB Expo, we have released a printed journal that's about 150 pages long, and it's based on the eight departments of a hearth retailer. Now, we gave this away to tons of people at the trade show, but if you missed out and want to get a copy of it, we want to make that available to you as well. To get your copy of the 2024 Firetime Journal, you can go to the website, itsfiretime.com slash journal, and you can go ahead and order one. Now, when you go to the website, you'll see that you can also order either of the journals from the last two years. So as long as supply lasts on those, you can order all three if you've missed out on all of them or any of the ones that you didn't get. Over the last three years at the trade show, every single year without fail, someone comes to get one of these journals and literally tells me this is one of the main reasons I flew out to this trade show is to get this journal. So don't sleep on this content. It is absolutely fantastic. I'm really honored to be a part of putting this out because the contributors who write these articles are absolutely incredible. So if you missed out on your copy of the journal at the trade show, or you want to order some from your team, just go to the website. It's firetime.com slash journal and order yours today. That's it's firetime.com slash journal. I think one of the things that is hard as well is to get team members that feel like they're working for something bigger than themselves. I think it's easy sometimes for someone to think, well, man, these fireplace jobs sell for a lot of money or man, these chimney jobs are expensive. That, that Brian Barnhill must be just putting a bunch of money in his pocket, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, and owning a business, it can be great and it can be profitable, but how do you, how do you handle educating the team on knowing where money goes and making them feel part of mm. making them feel like they get part of the win? as they mm -hmm. are growing this company. Because, I mean, I'm, like, mm -hmm. you guys have, like, over 1,200 Google reviews. It blows mm -hmm. my mind 
mm-hmm. you have built this organization, which I'm sure isn't perfect, but mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like in general, the people buy in and like they're really trying to carry this banner forward. Yeah, so um, where we are today with that conversation is part of the implementation of the business process that we started talking about to begin with. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so uh, sharing the, the vision, including the goals and the numbers yeah. with the employees is part of the process. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's an educational piece. And, I, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, there definitely has been those times in years past where I didn't manage that conversation right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it led to hurt feelings with employees that, yeah. you know, uh, that, that didn't really understand what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'm curious about, too, is as you as you grow people and hand things off to them how like what do you do after that so when you hand something off like you've got these three different businesses that you're running how do, like what what does your job become when you have people in place to do that work the hardest the part for me was letting go of the vine yeah uh especially in the beginning um so in team meetings eventually you know in the very beginning it's 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 uh it's like a dad with the bike and the training wheels yeah and, and, and eventually, like, you're not holding on, you know? And, and you're watching your precious cargo uh, that may skin its knees or bonk it. Yeah. You're right, all that. And so emotionally and philosophically, that's exactly what it felt like. In practice, eventually the kid's like, get off the bike, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop holding on so tight. And so uh, in team meetings, we give this, this, this exercise where it's like one thing you're doing great and one thing you need to work on. And uh, in, in early stages, that was, uh, you're doing great supporting me. You need to do a better job of believing in me. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, I don't know if that answers your question, yeah. but, uh, but what do I do with myself is uh, find those places in the business where I can add value, where, where uh, the, the need is there and the team uh, re- requires that extra lifting. Yeah. And, and that's what I do. Yeah. You know, uh, Tim Reed's podcast is helpful <laughs> for my uh, chimney supply manufacturing business. Yeah. Come visit our booth. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that what's hard is finding your space. And I think that there can be a lot of insecurity. Like even as people do want to build a business that's bigger, there's just insecurity. And like, cause you know, I mean, whether you like it or not, your, your ego gets wrapped up in your business. It, you can't help but have it not. No, that's and, right. and, I mean, and even and even when you have it under control, it's only under control because you're so aware of how entwined it is. You know, mo- many people aren't aware of it, and they're yeah. just they're just enslaved because their ego is is uh, so inseparable from their business they can't actually hand it off. But that's a good point for me to say. I did not originally name the business after myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I, you named it after Old Man Barnhill. Ah, man, I named it after my dog. It was originally Arrow. Oh, yeah? Uh, and people wouldn't call it that. They said, hire that Barnhill kid. Oh, my gosh. And so I would answer the phone and say, Arrow Chimney Company. And they would be quiet for a minute and then say, are you that Barnhill kid? <laughs> and so I just gave up. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny, though. I mean, and, I mean we got we to gotta pause on this. I mean, what, tell me, about, what's the legend of Old Man Barnhill? So. Uh, it's like the legend of Bigfoot, right? I'm not sure why this happened. We argued with folks for a while before we gave up and decided that it just uh, was fine. <laughs> but folks in uh, Lexington believe that the company is over 100 years old. Uh, and it was founded by old man Barnhill, who their grandfathers knew yeah. personally. And every every 10 years, he comes down from the mountain, right, to go amongst uh, the town folk? So we were at a party, my wife and I. This has been 15 years ago. And... Uh, she was having this conversation with argument. I'll call it what it is with this guy that her husband was the one that owned the company and that he started it. And he's like, no, old man Barnhill, old man Barnhill started it. Oh my gosh. So I eventually gave up and decided it was, you know, I mean, it's really a good thing for somebody to think your company's a hundred years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know how we got off on that, but I think that that's an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think that, I think that when it comes to people, people especially now with where you know a lot of our society is people are really hungry to believe in something Mm -hmm. i think they're really hungry to 
be validated for who they are and, and, and have purpose and meaning in their lives. Um, and I think as the owner of the business, it's easy to be moving too fast, to, to go slow enough to build your people up. Mm. Or sometimes I think business leaders don't value themselves as much. I, I heard Seth Godin say this, and, and he was talking about, you know, I'll use you as an example, but he's like, you know, you just think about yourself as like, well, I'm just Brian Barnhill. But your team looks at you and goes, oh my gosh, that's Brian mm. Barnhill. And, mm. and I think that's true for anyone in a leadership position is that, no, that's right. is that, is that we either forget about or sometimes we, 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 we devalue the impact that we have on others because we no. see all of our flaws and all of our insecurities. No, that's exactly right. But, but our team sees us as, as a person of influence and authority. How do you build the, the different people on your team up? Mm. That's a really good question. I think that I'm not the best cheerleader hmm. uh, that I that I want to be. If yeah. I'm if I'm looking inward and say, you know, uh, how good of a job do I do like that? I, that's one of the things that I that I need to work on is being a better cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I I don't know what my team would say. You know, uh, uh, to answer that question, um, one of the things that uh, came out of one of those uh, leadership meetings I was telling you about is. Uh, to be aware of my outsized presence. Yeah. Uh, because of the exact thing that you said there yeah. is. Oh, that's you know, Brian Barnhill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, uh, I think uh, there's a lot of little voice, you know, uh, involved there. Uh, but uh, but my people really matter a lot to me. And I think most business owners would say that. Yeah. And I, and I try to, sh- to show that with actions. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and to, to let them know how much uh, value I feel like they bring uh, yeah. to the business and, and to, to each other. So Yeah, that's really good. Why do you think it's so hard for uh, many business owners to let go? Uh, uh, because they're afraid it's all going to fall apart. Because when they've let go, it has all fallen apart. And we're the saviors. We built the damn thing. Yep. We know how it works. We know how to fix it when it falls apart. So I think there's two parts to it. I think there's the part to where you feel value because of your ability to make it all work. Yeah. Uh, but then there's the part of it that's true, which is it is going to fall apart without me, you know? Yeah. And, and so uh, it's not, you can't just uh, let go in the, in the, it's not ready to run without you, you know? You, you have to, to, to let go a little bit. A little bit at a time. Yeah. Uh, to to have great people to to empower them to succeed and allow them to make mistakes that you then come in and coach through, and you don't demean folks. Yeah. You know that's a that's a bad coach. Be a good coach. Yep. Come in and and say you know okay let's we could fix this together. Yeah. You know and then empower them again and step back away again. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, what are the guardrails that you put on the company in your absence that is able to keep it on the rails? Mm. Well, that's that's the business process. Yep. So you have good people running a solid process yeah. that I was a part of helping to build. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the process is the guardrails. It's a touchstone. And so we have KPIs that we monitor uh, that give me information about how we're doing. Uh, you know, there's a cadence of leadership and communication that runs through the business that aligns our core values with my long-term goals. Yeah. And I'm a part of that cadence. Yep. So. And you, you guys have a, like a quarterly strategic planning and review session, right? That's exactly well. right. Talk to me yep. about that. Uh, well, we, uh, we're an EOS company. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, my... Uh, my CFO, fractional CFO, Tim Guthrie, who's been fantastic, he uh, advised me early on. He said, listen, I've known companies that have tried to institute EOS on their own. And he, it's not that you can't do it, but it's like Rambo sewing yourself up and fighting the battle at yeah. the same time. Yep. He's like, you should really invest. If you're going to do this at all, don't do it or hire somebody to help. Yeah. Um, and so we hired somebody to help. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that, that made a world of difference because I've talked to other folks that – uh, say they do the EOS process or some business process. But when you start to dig, yeah. you realize that there's 
that the accountability arm of that, that it wasn't fully fleshed out, not because of maybe any good intentions, but because there again, this isn't what you do for a living. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So getting some outside perspective to help you with that. And I love the fact that you talked about core values, long-term goals as the guardrails. I think what's so hard is like as a business owner, and I find this myself, is that if you're going to empower somebody else, you don't get to control how they do it. And even for me, that can grate on me sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, it, but if we have a, if we have an objective mm-hmm. set or a long-term goal mm-hmm. already in place, then it's like, well, as long as they're operating within the core values, I I don't get the right to tell them how to do it if I've put them in place to do it. You're going to neuter your leaders. Yeah. If there's three right answers, and you always tell them they didn't pick the right answer that you would have picked. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and again, there can be ego in that because we want to be right, we want yeah. to have value. Um, that's something that, that I've observed even, even in myself mm-hmm. and struggled with at times is is just realizing that if I'm going to empower somebody, I, I need to empower them. Mm-hmm. And it's just as simple as that. And that means that things will not always be done the way that I would want them to be done. But if we've defined our core values that dictate how we behave, so we're not yep. doing anything unethical, we're doing nothing, we're, we're within the core values and we're following our, our long-term goals and our quarterly objectives, then it's like I, I don't I don't get to come I, I can either choose to do it myself and not have people work for me or I can choose to no, ha- have exactly it get done right. you know yeah that's exactly right so uh, the book traction by Gina Wickman yeah so he came out with that and then he realized that there was this other thing that you're talking about which is how do I help these folks that are running this business process empower their leaders and have it work yeah. and solve these problems of the two right answers. Yep. Uh, and how do they find great leaders? And that's when he uh, wrote the addendum to that, which is called Rocket Fuel, mm-hmm. which is uh, the the business owner, leader, and general manager. And that relationship, how to find those people and how to empower them to win. Yeah. And what is the cadence of that particular communication? Because I screwed that up in the beginning. Yeah. And that's when uh, John Fox said, hey, why don't you read this book yeah. too? You know, yep. it's, it's time. And so, and whenever I fall, fall off of that conversation, uh, the team suffers for it. Because what I find is that I'm in a leadership team meeting and I'm having arguments with my general manager because we weren't caught up. Yeah. And I, I don't mean for it to be an argument. I'm trying. So then the whole thing is about us having the the meeting together in front of everybody that we should have had before the meeting. Yeah. What is the hardest part about being a business owner right now? The hardest part about being a business owner right now? For me personally, or you think? No, yeah, just for you. I'll be honest with you. Uh, It goes back to that thing we talked about uh, earlier where it's like uh, letting go of the vine and having empowered leaders that are leading well. I'm, so as, as I continue to do that, and they're leading well, uh, and I've, I've based my... I, people would ask, why did you start a business? And it's like, you know, I felt like it was the same thing where folks said I should have traveled Europe in my 20s. I was like, well, I was broke, and I yeah. was starting a business. Yep. That's why I didn't travel Europe in my 20s. Yep. You know, why did you start a business? It was survival, yeah. you know? And I, and I think a lot of folks, if they're being honest... You know, there's these like romantic ideas about why you did something. But at the end of the day, it was survival. And then it's like, why does the cage bird sing? You know, it's like, so now I've, I've been successful enough and lucky enough to have great people that are helping me do a thing. Yeah. And so oftentimes it's just what, what next is the big thing. And I'm somebody that needs a what next. Yeah. And so, uh, I've made promises to my wife and to my general managers that I'm not going to start a restaurant empire <laughs> or a fill in the blank because there's a hundred crazy ideas. Yeah. And so it's not chasing all those rabbits. I mean, I, I mean we might've talked about this before, but the, the bar- barbecue grill fireplace yeah, yeah, that yeah. I got on national TV before I had any business doing that. Yeah. No business doing that. I got my marketing horse way ahead of my making stuff horse <laughs> yeah. and I chased it all over creation. Yeah. You know, I got funny stories out of it. I made zero dollars. I hustled my whole team over it, you know? So it's, it's not chasing those rabbits is, is what's hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, I feel like for me right now, it is that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's slower, it's slower than you want. Yeah. And, and you have to be so methodical with what you choose Mm. to say yes to, because 
when you say yes to everything, you say yes to nothing, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's, that's really hard for, for people who have a lot of ideas and a lot of passion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you can edit this out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because you're in, you're in charge. But this will be a good time to let you know that I do want to go ahead and get one of those TV touchpad monitors from you. Oh, dude. <laughs> that you're building in your garage. Yeah. Yeah. I am getting into the electronics business now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. I think, uh, I think, I think, you know, for me and, and I'm, I'm much newer into my journey of business ownership than you, but I, I do feel like there's something so beautiful in carving a path that makes a better way for other people and other people being your family, the folks who work for you, your customers as well. I think that, uh, it's not that all corporate business is bad. There's plenty of it that's, that's good, but I think that we are just in a unique time in history where you really can create something new that you have some amount of, you know, control and input in that, that serves other people and serves yourself and your family as well. And, uh, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I, I just think that, uh, it is so easy to get lost in a delusion that's not possible. Again, mm-hmm. going back to like, well, if you only did this, then you'd be able to have the second house and be there nine months out of the year if you only did this one thing. And I think that rather um, business is a journey of blood, sweat, and tears. It doesn't mean that you're always the one doing every bit of day-to-day work, solving every problem. But I think that to operate an effective business means that you need to bleed for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's possible not to. Yeah. Well, dude, this has been awesome, man. Um, I really appreciate you being here. And, Thanks for and having me. I, I mean that, that, uh, that no one I know outside of you is as good as uh, handing off the reins and just making it just a part of your DNA that like we will build this thing together. It will not be just me. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Brian Barnhill. There is so much good stuff in there. And, you know, as, as we were, as we were having that conversation, my wife was actually sitting right next to Brian and, and she was just commenting on, on how valuable the things that he's talking about are, you know, as we discussed in the conversation, I think that there is a lie that is, uh, you know, capitalized on for, for money in the business world that talks about how, um, if you can just build your business the right way, there's this magical spot where someone else will run it. You'll make tons of money in your sleep. And, uh, all you got to do is, is worry about buying the next business. And, and for me, I just don't believe that that's true. Now that's not to say that you can't have success in your business and have someone else run the day to day. But I think that business is hard. There's no easy fix to it. And oftentimes those mastermind groups or those online courses or, you know, business gurus or whatever, they can make it sound like it's actually really easy because look at what I did and you can do the same thing. I just got to teach you this hack to do it. And, and the reality is that, uh, I just don't think that's true. I mean, that, that's my thought. Business is hard and there's, there's no way around it. Now, just because business is hard though, doesn't mean that you have to keep banging your head against the same wall again and again and again. I think that you can genuinely solve problems in your business and the reward for solving those problems rather than moving to an island and drinking Mai Tais is actually going to be that you get to solve bigger problems. The reward for solving smaller problems is that you're given bigger problems to solve. And that's actually really cool because I think that that's how we make a difference in things. Now, as Brian discussed Building a business bigger than yourself, it, it, it requires empowering people. And if we, if we really want to be able to have someone take responsibilities from our plate, we've got to empower them. We cannot give responsibility without also giving authority. And as we discussed, when you give away responsibility, it means that people will do things in a way that you wouldn't want them done. And the question is, are you okay with the result to where you can live with someone doing things a little bit differently than you? You know, if you can't, that gets really difficult. And this is where things like core values come into play, that having really clear core values, having company 
priorities and goals and objectives can help keep things on the rails to where the person who is empowered to do the task has some guardrails, but they're not being micromanaged in every single decision of their day to day to do it exactly the way that you would. And that's just one thing I found is that if you're going to give away responsibility, you also have to give away authority to make the call. And if they have the authority to make the call, it means that they're allowed to make the call, even if it's different than you. And that takes, it takes communication to stay aligned and and it takes some boundaries, but you can't have one without the other. I've been a part of companies where I have had, you know, responsibility, but no authority. And that was always a really hard spot to be in because I, I felt the weight of what was given to me, but I didn't feel like I actually had the tools to do it. And over time, that will burn your people out. So I think that what Brian said there is really good. You know, also is humility and just being honest about how hard it is sometimes to remember to come alongside your people and to be the cheerleader and the encourager. I think as a business leader, you know, it's it's easy for us to think about just the next thing that we have. So as soon as we hand something off, we're immediately, you know, jumping into the next fire that's in front of us, you know, going back to the fact that there's always problems in a business. You just get to work on bigger ones when you solve the smaller ones. But as a leader, our, our job is to make sure that our, our people's cup is full. And if, if we are not coming alongside of them to encourage them, to give them feedback and, and, and teach them, you know, wisdom and, and be there for them every step of the way, it's easy for them to be left on an island. And I know that that can be where a lot of folks feel when the owner or manager or leader of the company is so busy doing their own things that they're not taking the time to nurture the team that they have. You know, one of the things um, I think about, uh, one of my friends, Zach Estes, has talked a lot about the difference between volume and capacity. So like if you imagine one of those like five gallon Gatorade buckets that's got a little spigot at the bottom of it, he gives this example that, if you start to fill it with water, what comes out the spigot is your sales. And then what's inside of the bucket is both your volume and your capacity. So capacity is the empty space. How much space is left in your bucket that you could actually fill up to you know slowly work its way through the, the sales pipeline, which is that small spigot at the bottom versus how much volume do you have? You know, if your volume is constantly maxed out, right, your reservoir is at the very top of that bucket, anything that gets added to it is just going to spill over to the other side. And if that's the case, one of the most important things that you need to do is to bring in people to increase your capacity because your volume is tapped. And, and I think that that is where a lot of small businesses are in our industry is that the owner's absolutely tapped. Now, Sometimes when you when you put that person into the position of authority, all of a sudden you do gain capacity because now they're doing things that took some stuff off of your plate. But what happens sometimes is the owner goes and immediately takes on more things. So even though they increase their capacity, immediately they've increased their volume. So they have absolutely no bandwidth. And and there there may be seasons where there's just a lot of problems, especially at the beginning of starting a company where you know, your, your capacity to volume ratio is, is pretty poor, but, but over the long run, you, you want to get to a spot where you have significantly more capacity available than the volume that you have inside of your reservoir. And that's the way that you can build a sustainable business. And that, that analogy has always been helpful for me, but I think that it's fitting when we talk about this idea of raising up people that we can't be so quick to just jump into the next fire that we immediately tap out our volume again. I think that we need to be careful and deliberate with how we choose to grow. And as the business owner or leader, it's easy to have shiny object syndrome where you put someone in place and you immediately jump onto what's next. You know, me and Brian talked about that, that business is slow and it's painful, but it's worth doing intentionally and and it's worth moving at the speed of your people. You know, the final thing that I want to just end today on is I thought that Brian's advice about paying people well and being very clear with both the risk and the opportunity was just amazing. You know, what he said about the fact that when you hire someone new, your risk as a company is only one pay period. And and, and that really does put things into perspective where, you know, one, one pay period isn't an insurmountable 
amount of risk, as long as you're clear with the person that you're hiring that there's risk here and, and there needs to be results that happen, I think there's many companies out there that would benefit from thinking about the risk tolerance that way. And just like I talked about with my team at Wi-Fire, you know, we've tried to be really clear about the number of subscribers to our business that when it falls below this, all bets are off. But as long as we're above this, like there's safety, there's job security and all of that. But I really like that idea of, you know, don't worry about paying the person X amount of dollars per year. As long as you can be honest and talk about how this position is risky, but here's the job security I can give you. And if during this amount of time you're able to produce these results, then we can give you even more opportunity. I, I love that idea of what is your actual risk tolerance in, in hiring someone. And as long as you're really, really clear with folks, I think that that can create a shared sense of urgency and a lot of buy-in. So I think it's a really good conversation. And, and like I said, I mean, no one that I know lives this better than Brian Barnhill. So I hope you guys got a ton of value out of that. Well, hey, if this podcast today was a blessing to you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website, patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash it's fire time. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, I am so excited for season 12. It is just amazing to think about the ground that we've covered. And I think we have some really good episodes in store for you. So my hope is that this week you can go into it thinking about what are steps I can take to grow this thing beyond myself, beyond to what just my arms can stretch to. Because if you do that, you'll find that you can create incredible opportunity for your team and that can galvanize the company around you. They can really make a difference. So hope you guys have an amazing week. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. All in to burn.